Welcome to the Crossing Church Podcast. This week, Pastor Stephen Robles concludes our Show Some Love series with a message titled, Love Above All. We hope you enjoy this weekend's message. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Crossing Church. Can you keep that applause going as we welcome our South Shore campus? What's up, guys? Plant City campus. How you doing? And everyone watching online and around the world. We're so glad you joined us today. We're so glad you're here at our Tampa campus as well. Well, as always, it's an honor to speak on this platform, and I thank our lead pastors, Pastor Greg and Pastor Tamara, for this opportunity, and we love them and appreciate how they lead this church. Can you show them your appreciation one more time? We love you, Pastor Greg, Pastor Tamara. And so I have the honor of closing out our series called Show Some Love. We've had some great messages. Pastor Greg taught about love and conflict, then talked about being one in marriage. So we're going to conclude it today, but I want to encourage you next week, we're going to start a little mini-series. It's on one of the most important topics we teach on every year. So come back out, bring your family next week. You don't want to miss it. So today I'd like to start with two verses, both stressing the importance of love. If you have your Bibles, if you have your devices, you can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, some of you will recognize that already. It's known as the love chapter in the Bible. And it talks about what love is, but we're going to start at the very beginning. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting with verse 1. The Apostle Paul says, If I speak human or angelic languages but do not have love, I am just a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith so that I can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I donate all my goods to feed the poor, and if I give my body in order to boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. We'll read more of that chapter shortly, but let's look at just one more verse. This is Jesus Christ speaking in Matthew chapter 22. He's talking to the religious leaders, and he says this. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they came together and they said, Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? And Jesus said to them, Love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and all the prophets depend on these two commands. We have the Apostle Paul, writer of two-thirds of the New Testament, who spread the gospel to all of Asia Minor, saying, Love. If you don't have love, but you have prophecy and faith and all these other things, it doesn't matter. You need love. And then Jesus, again, saying the greatest commandments is to love God and love people. And so we're going to explore that today. And if you're taking notes, the title for today's message is this, Love above all. Love above all. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence here across our campuses with those watching online. And God, I just pray that you speak through me even now. In Jesus' name, amen. Love is a hard word to pin down. What does it mean? Is it feeling? Is it action? You might first look at the dictionary. I mean, if it's good enough for Scrabble, it should be good enough for us, right? And so the Oxford English Dictionary says that love is a noun, that it senses relating to affection and attachment. Thanks for nothing, dictionary. I don't think that really helps us. Uh, So not the dictionary, but we could look to artists. There's many songs and poems written about love throughout history. Some of the songs, maybe you know them. Love is a many splendored thing. I didn't even know splendored was a word. That was Sammy Fain. Larry Gadlin said, love is just a game. You know he was hurt. He was probably hurt a couple times. Love lifts us up where we belong. Jennifer warns, and 
Of course, the Beatles says, all you need is love. I would quote modern songs about love, but let's be honest, they're largely inappropriate. So I'm leaving those out for now. But so is love a feeling? Is love something we feel? Is it an action? Or is it something more? So let's explore that first. Number one, what is love? What is love? If you had asked me my junior year of college when I just started pursuing my soon-to-be wife, I definitely would have told you love is a feeling. My wife and I met in college. We were both musicians. When I looked at these old pictures, I was like, whoa, ho, <laughs> Time, man. Uh, but this was uh, me and my wife. We just started dating. We were both musicians, uh, studied music in college. And I remember trying to look at her from across the rehearsal hall, but make sure she didn't see me looking at her. You know what I'm saying? But I would definitely say that love was a feeling. We felt in love. And I would definitely say there are moments we feel love today. We'll be married 14 years this May. 14 years, I know. It's crazy. I saw this joke, you know, after 14 years of marriage and three kids, other aspects come into the marriage. You know, I saw this joke, 80% of marriage is yelling and irritated, what? To make your spouse understand there's no chance you can hear what they're saying from five rooms away, around three corners, down two hallways, and over the cacophonous screams of hyper children. You know you guys do that, right? What? But over those 14 years, there's been many additional definitions of love that enter a marriage. The definition of love broadens in its meaning. In a committed long-term relationship, love is having deep conversations late at night. It's because it's the only time it's quiet when there's kids, right? But love is washing and putting away the dishes, not just once, but regularly. Love is letting your spouse know you appreciate them in many ways and all the time. True love, especially in marriage, is often not the big things, but it's the many small moments added together. There was a study by John Gottman. He called it the secret to love. Watch this. He says, throughout the day, partners will make requests for connection, what Gottman calls bids. For example, say that the husband is a car enthusiast. Do we have any car enthusiasts here around our campus? There's a bunch of guys. There you go. Uh, I drive a Kia Soul, so clearly I'm not a car enthusiast. <laughs> but if you're a car enthusiast, you might say to your wife, hey, look at that car. Maybe a Mustang or even a Lamborghini drives by. And in that brief moment, there's actually a request. The husband is requesting a response from his wife, a sign of interest or support, hoping that they'll connect. And every day, spouses will do these bids for attention, that they're interested in something and they find it important enough to bring up, hoping that they can connect for a moment. And in those moments, the other spouse has an opportunity to respond. They can either turn toward their spouse and show some interest, or they could turn away. Maybe they say they're too busy or they're not interested. And all those little moments add up over time, whether or not you actually connect with your spouse in those moments. And so Gottman says this, after doing the study, by observing these types of interactions, Gottman can predict with up to 94% certainty whether couples, rich or poor, childless or not, will be broken up, together and unhappy, or together and happy several years later. Much of it comes down to the spirit couples bring to the relationship. Do they bring kindness and generosity or contempt, criticism, and hostility? I want to encourage you, husbands and wives, in those small moments that add up over time, take the time to show interest. Wives, if your husband wants to talk about hunting, fishing, golfing, in my case, musical theater, uh, for real, uh, but take interest even in the moment. And husbands, when your wife wants to talk about something, 
Turn towards her and not away. Show those interests. Those moments over time add up. But this kind of deep and meaningful love and connection is not just for marriage. This is the kind of love that God tells us to show everyone, friends, family, even our enemies. You see, in the New Testament, it was written in the language of Greek. It was written in Greek. And throughout the New Testament, there's four different Greek words that all mean love, but they're different kinds of love. And so when you look in the Greek of the New Testament, you'll see these words, eros, which is a Greek word for love, but it means a passionate love. That's the kind of love you usually fall into, if you know what I mean. You can get that on the way home. It's okay. Uh, Philia, which is a love of friends. Storge, a love of parents for children. And the fourth kind is agape, which is translated like a God kind of love or how God loves us. I think it's important. I think it's good to have these multiple words that mean different kinds of love. I mean, in English, we say we love pizza and we love our spouse. It's not really the same thing. But they have four words. And in all the verses I'm going to read today, love is translated as agape, which means the God kind of love or how God loves us. And so again, if we look at that Matthew 22 verse, chapter 22, verse 37, it says, Jesus said to them, love agape, the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and your mind. This is the greatest and most important commandment. And the second is like it, love agape, your neighbor as yourself. The highest form of love, a God kind of love. Matthew 5, when Jesus tells us to love our enemies, he uses that same word, agape. But I tell you, love agape your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And now let's go back to 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. Every time 1 Corinthians 13 says the word love, it's the word agape in the Greek. Starting with verse 4, it says, love agape is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, is not boastful, is not conceited, does not act improperly, is not selfish, it is not provoked, it does not keep a record of wrongs. I want to pause right there. It's so important. Those who are going to be married soon and have been married a while, you can't keep a record of wrongs. You can't keep some tally in the back of your mind of how many times the other person has wronged you just to use it in an argument later on. The God kind of love keeps no record of wrongs, and thank God for that. He does not keep a record of our sins against him. And so let us not keep a record of wrongs against others. Love finds no way in unrighteousness, no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And so that's a picture of some of the things that love is. But love is also sacrifice. There are lots of things that we sacrifice, little and big. When you have kids, the first thing you sacrifice is sleep. If you have a baby, you know what I mean. <laughs> you have to sacrifice sleep. And as your kids get older, you sacrifice other things like money, time, and sanity. <laughs> but the ultimate act of love was Jesus Christ, his ultimate sacrifice of laying down his life for us. Many of us know John 3.16, but I encourage you to look at 1 John 3.16. 1 John 3.16 says this, this is how we know what love, agape, is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. That doesn't mean sacrifice our actual life for others, but to lay down our time and our effort towards others because they are valuable and they deserve to be loved. How can we love our spouses and friends? Many small moments of kindness, selflessness, and appreciation 
All those small moments, all those bids for attention, maybe from your spouse, they will add up over time. So take those moments and use them wisely. And how do we love God? Well, the Bible says in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And that's why it's so important for us to know the word of God, the Bible, so we know what God asks of us. And we worship God, and that is love, and we thank him in prayer, but we need to know what he asks of us, and that's how we love him. So number one, that's what love is. That's just a little picture of all the things that love can be. But here's number two. We all need love. We all need love. And this is a hard pill to swallow for many. You might think, well, I'm a loner, or I'm the ultimate introvert, I'm self-sufficient. I have some news for you. God is the only self-sufficient being in the universe, and you're not him. So you do need to be loved. We all need it. You know, I joked a few months ago that my, I don't have many allergies, but my one allergy is small talk. Uh, and now people come up to the lobby and they say, how's the weather? You know, and I just sneeze, you know. But, but even if you are allergic to small talk like me, you might be a little introverted, we still need to be loved. There was a, a couple studies from Penn State, and researchers found that people who experienced higher felt love, which they translate as brief experiences of love and connection in everyday life, again, those small moments built up over time, had higher levels of psychological well-being, which includes feelings of purpose and optimism. You see, science is again confirming the Bible that when we love others, we actually feel more fulfilled and we have a greater sense of purpose. Look at all the verses, and these are not all, but some of the verses the Bible says about loving. 1 Peter 4, 8, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. 1 Corinthians 16, 14, your every action must be done with love. Romans 12, 10, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. 1 John 4, 21, in this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. And finally, John 15, 12, this is my command, love one another as I have loved you. And so the Bible makes it clear, we are to love others. And this can be tough though, especially for those who maybe are going through a difficult time in their marriage, or maybe you're single, maybe you, have, you feel alone. You know, we need to be able to show love, especially as a church body, to those who also need love. And to be honest, as Americans, we've gotten pretty bad at friendship. We've gotten really good at digital friendships, but that's not true friendship. I actually saw this article from the Huffington Post about a young woman who's actually begun being ghosted by some of her best girlfriends or friends that are girls. And we've just not, we've lost our ability to become good friends, reliable, true, and loving friends for other people. And there are lots of people out there, outside the walls of the church and in the walls of the church, who need loving relationships, who need close friendships. Psychologist and anthropologist Robin Dunbar says this, it takes 200 hours of investment in the space of a few months to move a stranger into being a good friend. It takes 200 hours of investment to move someone from stranger to good friend, which suggests that close friends are very expensive in terms of time investment to maintain. Friendships require work. And church, we need to put in the work to show love to those who need it, to be close friends to those who need those relationships. And we all do.
And it's funny how social media emphasizes that the number of friends and followers you have, the better off you are. If you have in the thousands or the tens of thousands, you are somehow more, I was going to say more better, but that's terrible grammar. So (laughs) that you're better off, that you're doing well. But in reality, as humans, science actually says we only have a certain capacity for friendships and relationships. That same anthropologist, Robin Dunbar, came up with this graph. We can actually only maintain 150 meaningful relationships. And of those 150, we can only really have 50 friends that we consider friends. Out of those friends, only 15 can really be good friends. Five can only be close. And two are those special or what we might say are best friends. And so if you think about all those numbers that you see on social media, those thousands of people, in reality, we can only be good friends with just a few. And so I would encourage you to take some of that time and effort from those digital relationships that may not be life-giving and invest them in someone close to you, someone who actually needs that kind of relationship and with a friend. And there's actually a researcher, Michael Norton, he did a TED Talk. He actually found out that you can buy happiness as long as you don't spend the money on yourself. Watch this. He did a study, and it says that even in small acts of kindness generate as much happiness as do lofty acts. They did an interesting set of studies. Participants were given either $5 or $20 as part of the experiment, and participants in both groups were asked to either spend the money on themselves or spend it on others. Those who spent the money on others, it turned out, grew happier than those who spent it on themselves. More interestingly, the amount of money spent on others didn't make a difference to happiness levels. Those who spent $5 derived just as much happiness as those who spent $20. So interesting, the Bible parallels this. The Bible says, love others. And as the study shows is when we love others, invest in others, we actually have a sense of fulfillment and purpose through it. And it's because God designed us that way, to love others. Your happiness is not dependent on how much stuff you have, the money you make, or the work you accomplish. It's about how well you love others. Happiness and joy is not dependent on what you have, but how you love others. So we looked at what love is, and we explored how we all need love. And here's the best part. God loves you. God loves you. Now, when I say that, it's a difficult phrase to hear for some of us. I mean, how can someone I've never heard speak, I've never seen, I've never touched, how can I believe that he loves me if I don't feel that love? And I thought maybe my own testimony might help. And so I grew up in the church. I grew up Christian. I was an only child, Christian home. And when I was in high school, I did all the youth group stuff, and I felt like I was called to be a worship leader. And so I went from New York, where I grew up, all the way down here to Florida. Let's be honest, the beaches and palm trees got me. And I went to a Christian college to begin studying to be a worship leader. But during my freshman year of college, there was a series of events. I had a bad breakup with a girlfriend, and then my grandmother died unexpectedly. And during that time, I began to feel more and more alone. And for me, who grew up in the church and this God that I had worshipped for so many years, I couldn't reconcile, how can this God, who I've served for so long, leave me feeling alone? And so I actually left that Christian university. 
I went back home to New York. I started studying business, and I left the church. And I began to feel less and less like a Christian, maybe even wondering what I believe. And there was one day when I was in my bedroom back home, and I saw the Bible that I had used in youth group all those years. And I hadn't read a Bible in a long time, in many months. And so I did one of those things where you kind of open it to a random page and just put your finger on a random verse. You ever do that? I heard you don't do it too often. You get some weird theology that way. You run into some weird verses, especially go to the Old Testament. You got to be careful. But I did that, and I opened to 1 John chapter 4. And I ran my fingers across the page, and I read these words in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. We have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. For God is love. And the one who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear. And we love because he first loved us. And as I read those verses, I zeroed in on those three words, God is love. And I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me, not audibly, but I feel like he revealed to me, if you still believe that God exists, if you're still there, you can know you are loved. The very fact that God exists, it means that you are loved because God is love. It's impossible for him not to love you. And you might not feel that emotion sometimes, and you might not be able to hear or see him. But if he is there, you are loved. And I started to go back to church, and I got into Christian apologetics to strengthen my faith and really understand that God exists from a philosophical and evidential standpoint. And ever since then, I still struggle sometimes to maybe feel loved, but I know God is love and he exists. I know I am loved. And that means you are loved too. It was a turning point for me in that moment. I came back to the faith. But it's a lesson I'm still learning. A lesson that God loves you for who you are and not what you do. That's a tough concept. I, the way I grew up and the way I am now, I'm a very high achiever. Like I, I, My value is attached to achieving things or success. If I'm not doing something, sometimes I don't feel like I'm bringing value or even deeper that I am not valuable. There's a Disney movie that exemplifies this so well recently, Encanto. If you have a child under the age of 10, you've seen it 1,000 times. (laughs) But in the movie Encanto, there's a character named Luisa, which was actually my grandmother's name. And she sings a song called Surface Pressure. And the lyrics of the song say this, under the surface, I'm pretty sure I'm worthless if I can't be of service? Who am I if I can't run with the ball? Who am I if I can't carry it all? Those lyrics speak to me personally, and I struggle with that. If I can't be of service, if I'm not doing something, if I'm not accomplishing something, how can I be loved? What am I being loved for? And God keeps trying to remind me that he loves you for who you are and not what you do. He loves you for who you are and not what you do. And it's such a powerful truth because you have intrinsic and eternal worth as a human being. You see, God created man and woman in his image. And that eternal and intrinsic value cannot be separated from who you are. 
Genesis 1.27 says, God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. And then Ephesians 1.4 echoes it. He says, for he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, before you were ever born, before the universe even existed. He knew you and he loved you even then. Jeremiah 1.5 even says, before you were born and in your mother's womb, he knew you and he loved you. That means that you are loved no matter for what you have done in the past and even for the ways you might mess up in the future, God loves you because you are his child. I tell my children, I try to do it more often. I have two sons and a daughter and I'll look at them in the eye and I'll tell them, I love you for who you are, not what you do. And who you are is my child. And literally nothing that you could ever do can change that. No matter what they do, no matter how many times they mess up, they are still my sons and my daughter. It's unchangeable. And it's the same way for you. You are his creation. You are his handiwork. You are his child. And that means he loves you no matter what. This is why John 3.16 says, For God loved the world in this way. He gave us his one and only son, so that everyone, and he wants everyone to believe in him and not perish but have eternal life. You cannot be separated from the love of God. I love this verse from Romans chapter 8, starting with verse 35. It says, Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or anguish or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things we are more than victorious through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that not even death or life, angels or rulers, things present or things to come, hostile powers, height or depth, or any other created thing will ever have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God. No matter how many times you may have pushed him away, no matter how many times you've tried to do it your own way, he still loves you just as much and it never changes. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me just for a moment, I'm not gonna ask anyone to raise their hands for this, but I wanna pray for those. Maybe you feel like your value is attached to what you do and the money you earn and your struggle to feel loved. Or maybe you feel alone and you need a friend. I wanna pray over you right now. God, I pray that everyone watching and listening across our campuses begins to feel the presence of your Holy Spirit with them even now, and that they begin to feel your presence as they go. And in those moments, even when they're alone, that they begin to understand your love for them is so vast, it's so eternal, it's so infinite, that they are loved no matter what, no matter what, and that you call them to come up higher and to have that relationship with you. Thank you for it, in Jesus' name. And now we're gonna do one other prayer. And this is for those of you who maybe have never submitted your life to Christ. You're saying, I've never received that love that you're talking about. I've never given my life to him. We're gonna all pray a simple prayer. Everyone together is going to pray it. But if that's you and you're saying, I wanna give my life to this Jesus Christ, I want you to pray it especially. Now, if you would bow your head and close your eyes one more time, we all say, Dear Jesus, I invite you into my life. Forgive me 
give me a new start, a new beginning, and teach me to follow you for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed that message from Pastor Stephen Robles. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash crossingchurch. There you can watch all of our messages on demand and our live broadcasts. We look forward to worshiping with you this weekend. For times and locations, visit wearecrossing.com.